What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Welcome, everybody, um, to the Commonwealth Club. And this event is uh, in conjunction with uh, Sachi, the Society for the Arts and Cultural Heritage of India. Um, we're old friends. We, we've done programs going back to 2009, I believe, uh, before. So um, we hope that you enjoy this. Uh, we have uh, Bob Del Bonta. Did I get that right? Okay. Um, who, who is a scholar in this field. Uh, we did a program here for uh, Humanities West, another organization that I, I do stuff for, um, which was on the Taj Mahal that had uh, Catherine Asher uh, beamed in from Minnesota and uh, somebody that Bob has uh, worked with before. And uh, we've done other programs on and off about the culture of India, something that I've been interested in since I was about 14. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so how do you get interested in something? It's all over the map, right? So I got interested because I was watching Johnny Carson, of all things. So who can place my age and what might have happened on Johnny Carson when I was in 1967? The great George Harrison. George Harrison. Well, very close. Well, so why was, why was George Harrison interested? Right. And, and, and he learned to play the sitar and everything? That's correct. And the person that he studied with in India was? Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Right. And Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was on Johnny Carson when I was 14 uh, because of the Beatles. And uh, four years later, I went and studied with him, and I ended up in, in uh, Switzerland studying with him and so on and so forth. So I was a couple years behind the Beatles. <laughs> but anyway, it's the weirdest thing that, you, you know, that, that, that can get you started on almost anything. And uh, so anyway, so... We hope that you really enjoy this tonight. Um, one of the great scholars in Indian art is here. And did you say that was all right to say that? I said, I don't know about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, with an asterisk, one of the great scholars of India <laughs> art is here. Um, so enjoy. And we'll have questions as usual afterwards. And uh, if you have questions, you can either ask them. I'll come bring a, a microphone right to you um, so that everybody can hear you. Um, and if you don't want to ask the question in front of everybody, but you can write it down on a card. Just let me know, and I'll get a card for you to write it down. Okay? Well, I can honestly say that I was interested in India before you were. Because <laughs> 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 it, it was probably 10 years old. <clears throat> but anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> uh, well, today I'm, I want to talk about uh, Shiva dancing. Um, those of you that have already seen the uh, Beyond Bollywood show um, have seen a few images of, of Shiva. Um, but obviously they didn't want the show to be, it wasn't going to be about Shiva. And so it was fairly limited. Um, and limited mostly to uh, the, the image that you see when you go into the show. Presumably, I haven't seen the show yet. I'll be going through with the curator on Thursday. Um, but the uh, Nutraj uh, on, the, on the left is from Virginia, and that's the one in the show. The, the one on the right is actually in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Now, um, I'm going to start with this image and then actually go off on tangents, um, and that's a plural tangent. Um, and this is a, an image that actually is, is based on a particular image in Chidambaram, um, <clears throat> that uh, developed over time in South India. Um, it's uh, known as the, uh, the Ananda Tandava, and it's, uh, it's considered either, it's translated either as the dance of bliss or the uh, dance of delight. There are lots and lots of dances that Shiva does. Um, this one has a very particular meaning or let's say lots of different meanings. And that's one thing that you'll see in this, the lecture is that for virtually every image, one can tell a different story. 
um, and there's different meanings to things. The, um, the image, if you look at the, at the larger image, the ring of fire actually has to do with sort of everything, the cosmos. Uh, the fire has to do with the destruction, which is part of, of Shiva's mission. He actually he is dancing both for creation and destruction, and this is something that goes on continually. And this is not just for Shiva. This is true of, of all of the... Um, all of the Indian developed religions. Uh, there's a cyclic theory going on constantly. Um, he holds in his back hand, his back right hand, he holds uh, the damaru, which is a, a little drum, a two-sided drum. With that, he, he creates the rhythm of this dance. And so it's the rhythm of this whole creation and destruction. In his right back hand, he holds the fire. <clears throat> his right front hand is in Abhaya Mudra, which is, is one of reassurance. Um, and his, his leg actually, and his hand and his leg in the front are, are actually basically letting you then come and witness, witness this thing. There's other things going on. Um, the hair that going out actually has to do with the descent of the Ganges. Um, and this, in this image, we, we interpret that as, as sort of goodness coming down from the heavens. Um, he also, uh, we'll just see, a, he also uh, is standing on a dwarf. Um, and he's not the only image of Shiva that does that. Um, there's an image called Dakshinamurti, which is the, the, the form of the, in the south. Uh, that he's really related to. It's a teaching, um, it's a teaching position. Um, but the point is that, that both of them actually face south. The Chidambaram image faces south, which is peculiar. Um, most, most images will be facing east. <clears throat> and a few you know, uh, death rituals and stuff will face west. But, but south is some, something that probably relates to the fact that this is specifically a southern um, iconography. If you find it in the north, they're very late, and they're just copying this this whole whole uh, tradition. <clears throat> but it's uh, Murti is ex- extremely important, and I've brought in a couple. I think I've brought in a couple of uh, calendar prints because I'm very fond of them. Um, and it gives you a, a sense of the of the people at the feet of of Shiva uh, worshiping him and and listening to in this in ca- in the case of Dakshinamurti listening to his sermons and in the case of of uh, <clears throat> of Natraj it's uh you know you're witnessing this creation and destruction <clears throat> now the the dwarf is actually it's, he's usually interpreted as a dwarf of ignorance or delusion and so Shiva in both situations is sort of uh, keeping him at bay uh, for the sake of mankind. And it's not, it, the dwarf actually shows up with Shiva in a, a number of different iconographies. On the right, we see Yamantaka, which is, means the end of Yama, and then Yama is the god of death. <clears throat> and again, there's a dwarf like figure. But in this case, it's, you would interpret it not as ignorance, but as, you know, uh, uh, death. And at the same time, he's also, Yama is also considered Kala, so he's time as well. So it's putting an end to time. <clears throat> so there's, and then there, if, if you look to the different Puranas, all the different tales, um, there are tons of uh, variations of virtually all of these tales. And some coming up are, I mean, the variations are quite dramatic. Now, another aspect of the Shiva Natraj that you, you don't pick up on immediately is the fact that the Shiva is actually male and female. And it relates to a form of a Shiva called Arunarisvara, which actually means the God, Ishvara, that is not half woman, but it, it's, he's also woman. The point is that it's not, it's not a, a complete dichotomy. The point is that he is actually both. And this is something that shows up constantly, either, either in um, an image that, uh, like on the, the, the uh, <clears throat> left, where, where it's very specifically that one half of the image is female and one half is male. Uh, the point is in the 
Shiva and Raj and other images of Shiva, uh, this is stated by the earrings that, that, uh, that he wears. So he wears a, a, a female earring on his left ear and a male earring on the right. And one has to be conscious of, of, this, of the fact that he's, he's a little bit of both, or all of both, really. Um, and <clears throat> that he's, he's combined, but he's also separate very often. Um, and the, one, the painting on the left, I believe, is in the, in, in the exhibition. It's a very well-known painting. The, um, <clears throat> the ceiling, actually, this is a ceiling on the right that was done in the Pallava period, near Kurnul. It's, a, it's a, actually a, from a temple that was, had to be moved because of a, one big dam project many years ago. <clears throat> and it, nicely, it, the nice thing is it was reconstructed and everything's nicely cleaned and stuff. And I actually only received this image of, of not just a few weeks ago from this <clears throat> Corina Wessels Medicine, who she and, and uh, Padma Kaimal uh, have written the sort of the most recent really good articles about, about Shiva Natraj. <clears throat> and they're, they're both in the, in the bibliography of, of uh, the catalog. And then Padma wrote an article on the, the Matrika, which will be, which are actually suggested by the painting on the left. <clears throat> Shiva very often has to kill demons. Um, and he tends to dance when he does that. And, and I mean, various other other gods and goddesses do that as well. <clears throat> and uh, we'll be seeing a, an iconography with him that's a very very prominent one, uh, where the the matrikas, the mothers uh, who are created by Kali, um, <clears throat> actually help him out. And so, in some ways, I I see this 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 painting as a sort of a dance after they've killed Andaka or, or one of these other, other uh, asuras or, or demons. I just wanted to bring, I, mean, I think this is a great sculpture and we'll be coming back to it for other reasons in a bit. But you see uh, Shiva dancing, obviously is much larger. Kali is on to his right <coughs> dancing as well. Um, and probably uh, Parvati, his, one of the names for his consort, is there with, um, with a small child. Perhaps it's Skanda, their, their, uh, one of their children. Uh, perhaps not. <clears throat> now, one can't see the, the actual original, not, well, it's not the original, but the, the specific Natraj at Shidambarams, one can't visit it. I presume if you're I and Brahman, you can. You've handed over enough bakshish for the, for the, for, you know, the Brahmins at the temple. <clears throat> but there's lots and lots of copies of it. And, um, and then they're, they're placed into temples or in subsidiary shrines. Um, this painting here on, uh, on the left is actually painted at Madurai, which is, of course, one of the other very important temples in South India. And it's actually painted on, when you face it, you're facing south. So you're actually facing Chidambaram itself. And what's interesting about it is that um, he's not dancing alone. And presumably at Chidambaram, he dances, doesn't dance alone. Presumably there is also a small Kali image that dances with him. And so, it, I mean, you can hardly make it out in this, in, in the, on the left, but I sort of I blew it up. So you realize that, that she's there as well. And so this, again, this, the idea of him, this thing is going to fall off. Um, the idea of, of him, her, of Kali being an intrinsic part of, of Shiva is, is a sort of a constant. Uh, whether she's going to be <clears throat> um, active like she is as Kali or she'll be passive as Uma or Parvati or one of the other. Uh, names that uh, his consort goes by. Now, leading up to um, the Raj image, the iconography, there's a whole series of, of uh, sculptures in the south of uh, Shiva dancing. Usually he's only lifting his legs a, a bit. Um, the image on the right, I think, is from, it's from Elora, one of the many caves, the Shaivite caves at Elora. Um, 
And it's very similar to what we see farther south. So this is uh, maybe 100 years or 200 years later than the one on the left. <clears throat> the one of the few other images of Shiva in um, in the exhibition is this is this uh, uh, image uh, from the from LACMA, from the LA County Museum of Art, um, and this is another uh, feature about him is that he is he ithyphallic, which we won't go into today. That's a whole different aspect of of uh, of uh, Shiva. Again, there's there's all this sexuality going on. The, the female parts, the male parts, He's, he encompasses all everything. And that's what the dance of this, the Shiva Raj does the same thing. I mean, it's, it encompasses all creation and all destruction and all aspects of life and, and, uh, and the cosmos. The images that are um, often discussed that have his leg getting higher are the image on the left from um, a much damaged image from Elephanta in the Bay of Bengal, of uh, the Bay of Bombay, um, where you can see the you know, leg is lifted a, a more than, than what we see on the right. The right image is probably my favorite dancing Shiva from the caves of Badami. That's a Chalukya uh, image. I mean, it just has great, Life and I mean that you know Indians were the best sculptors in the world. Uh, don't tell Michelangelo that. But uh, he's they were actually the the Shiva Raj was actually an inspiration to Rodin, and there was a French publication that Kumar Swami had put out early on where Rodin wrote of like a preface, and he was so struck by the fact that you could you could that every silhouettes. Were all they all worked? You, you didn't. You didn't have to have a, just a front, um, so that from all angles he felt that it was you know a sublime work of art, and so he was then working, uh, trying to to emanate, uh, to f- follow that tradition in his own work. <clears throat> so here you can see that the leg is lifting. Now he dances everywhere. And often he dances with other people. This is a cave, uh, one of the subsidiary caves at, uh, at the, the big cave site of, of uh, <clears throat> Elora, where he's actually dancing. On the left, we see him on, on one side of a long gallery. And on the right, we see this skeletal figure. Um, the, the long wall is actually the Saptanatmatrika, the, the seven mothers, um, and it starts with a, <clears throat> it also has a Ganesh on, at one end. And um, so Shiva is always constant. And the seven mothers, are, of course, are all emanations of Kali or Chandi or whatever you want to call her. There's, again, you know, there's a million names for all of these, these gods. <clears throat> now, I find the, the skeletal figure peculiar and i i wonder whether it could be either kala or yama in uh, relating to this the fact that that shiva has put an end to both time and death <clears throat> but at the same time there will be seen a character in just a bit uh, that would be a skeletal figure dancing you hear this figure doesn't quite dance but um it's a, it's an interesting combination then the point is that um, many of these iconographies uh, from this period are really difficult to completely figure out, and a lot of uh, scholars have either been very fanciful or, or less fanciful in trying to, to figure them out. And I've actually only started thinking about this skeletal figure uh, quite recently, like getting ready for this lecture. But um, it's, a, it's an interesting combination. Now, Shiva also very often dances when he kills demons. And obviously, that I would think that's from glee or whatever. He, or he works himself up to a frenzy. I, I don't know. I mean, he's not taking hashish or anything. But um, 
And one of those is when he kills Andakasur. And Andakasur, is, this is on the left. Uh, Andakasur is an interesting character because I checked, I think there were seven different Purans, and the stories are all a little different. Um, but the one that, that uh, Stella Kramersh had picked up on when she did her Manifestations of Shiva exhibit, which was part one of the great exhibits ever done in this country, or worldwide, I would think. Um, she picked the one where Andaka is actually considered Shiva's and Parvati's son. And the way he... Uh, and, and the point is that Shiva and Parvati, we always talk about two sons, Skanda or Kartikeya, whatever we want to call him, and Ganesh. But neither of them are really their children. I mean, they're, they don't procreate. These children appear, um, either from the sweat of Parvati's body or whatever. In this case, Andaka actually appears because Shiva was, was meditating, and Parvati went behind him and thought, oh, I'm going to scare him, and she covered his eyes, all three of them. Um, and it made her hand sweat, and the, the sweat then hit the ground, and this grotesque, blind creature showed up, who then became Andakasur. Um, ultimately, he was the cousin of a very famous... Well, the, ultimately, he was raised by one of the great demons in, in Vaishnava iconography, the Vishnu killed two great demons early on. And um, he was raised by that figure. And then he fell in love. Of, he fell in love when he saw Parvati, not knowing that it was basically his mother. Uh, so he then started fighting with the gods, eating all of the gods. And uh, Shiva then had to <clears throat> try to uh, kill him. And he actually put him on his uh, trident and lifted him up. But as he bled, the drops of blood all turned into little andakas. And, and so the matrika, this is when the seven mothers, or probably more mothers in this case, because there's so much blood, they all had to come and then eat up the blood to keep these, I mean, this is, these, this is true in, you know, in Greek mythology as well. You have these blood turning into terrible uh, demons or dinosaurs or whatever. And then on the right, what's interesting, this is another demon that he kills, and that's the uh, <clears throat> uh, Gajasur. And this is, this is a, a demon that turned himself into a, an elephant <clears throat> and was rampaging around and, again, trying to kill all the gods, etc. Um, and Shiva then had to kill the elephant, and then he skinned the elephant, and then he danced within it. And what's interesting is that in this image... Here's Andaka. Um, so Andaka then becomes a, a, a great uh, devotee of Shiva. I mean, he's not only been killed, and then he turns into this skeletal figure, um, <clears throat> but his, he's just constantly thinking about Shiva, and, and by thinking about the god, he becomes one of his most you know, important, uh, not admirers, but worshippers. And so he ends up dancing with his father uh, very often in sculpture in the South. And this is something that Stella Kramersh had, had picked up on. <clears throat> Images of this uh, uh, um of Shiva dancing within the, the skin of the, uh, <clears throat> the elephant is, is found throughout South India. Uh, you find it in painting. This is a painting that actually is in the uh, Asian Art Museum. And there's other <clears throat> interesting paintings of uh, what we call company school. These paintings were actually done for European travelers to India, often in albums. Um, and we, we find uh, a great number of these. And there's also some fabulous bronzes of this, of this, uh, this subject. It's one of my favorite iconographies. Now, again, Shiva dances all the time. 
And um, there are a great number of these uh, wonderful paintings, mostly from the Pari Hills, of him dancing with uh, various other gods, uh, goddesses, other types of creatures. Here we have uh, his son Ganesh, the elephant-headed god, uh, playing an instrument, uh, and uh, his wife Parvati uh, playing a sitar, or or it's probably a Rudravina. And um, and then various other demons and the his second son uh, Skanda uh, Kartikeya with his with his uh, five heads is is seen in this as well. And it's obviously it was a it was a popular uh, sort of composition, and I found quite a number of drawings that are based and paintings that are based on this same. Thing and what's interesting about him, and I was going to mention it when I first saw him next to we first saw him next to the dancing in the elephant skin, is that he's wearing the elephant skin. Uh, it's behind him in both in both these these uh, these the drawing and the and the painting. And this is the painting of sort of the the painting that advertised the show also has the elephant skin. Um, <clears throat> he has an elephant skin plus a, a tiger skin. And you often see him, and you see Rishis often sitting on, on animal skins, tigers or leopards or whatever, which seems very un... It seems rather violent, but anyway, that's just... They can do things that we can't. Now, what's interesting about that... <coughs> that one ceiling that I showed at the very beginning is that something else is going on. Uh, not only is he dancing with, with Kali and Parvati, presumably, and uh, one of the, it's probably Skanda is standing next to him, but he's actually flanked by both Brahma and Vishnu. So we have this Trimurti business going on, the three forms, the three gods that Europeans are always associated with, you know, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They don't quite work that way, but it's it's an interesting. Europeans always wanted to think that, you know, this was some lost Christian sect or some, something, which was obviously not true. But it's a very very common to see them uh, together. This is a a, <clears throat> a large cloth painting that was done in. Um, in Andhra Pradesh, again in the south, um, probably in the early 60s when this tradition of Kalamkari was re, sort of revitalized by the, the All the India Handicrafts Board. Um, and here we see him, again, dancing on a dwarf, uh, a rather large dwarf, um, and he's dancing uh, in front of uh, Vishnu and, and uh, Brahma is, is behind, uh, is behind the, the image of of uh, Shiva dancing. And what's curious is that this is actually an image of, uh, of Bringi. Um, uh, Bringi actually, uh, after falling in love with his mother and then getting killed by, you know, as Andaka, he, he then tried to circumambulate the god, circumambulate Shiva, but Parvati kept getting in the way. And so he turned himself into a bee, and he flew around his head, and he just and Parvati was always getting in the way, and he kept falling down. And so Shiva gave him a third leg so that he wouldn't fall down. <laughs> and it's great; it's not an iconography you see a lot, but it's one that I'm very fond of because <laughs> you know it's better than having a cane. <laughs> and the thing about the the this Trinity, if we want to call it the Trimurti. Um, that is, again, it's a reference all the way back to another important iconography. And again, it's an important iconography in the South India. And that's the Lingodbhava Murti, uh, which is, it was, it's one of the early tales of creation when, um, I mean, if you know the story that, uh, that Shiva's, uh, Vishnu sleeps on the serpent in the sea of milk between creations, right after destruction. He's, he sleeps there for a thousand years, and then creation starts. But he doesn't do the creation. A, a lotus grows out of his, his navel, and, and Brahma does, gets his hands, you know, rolls up his sleeves and creates the world. 
Um, well, at at one point, they were fighting over who really created the world. You know, I created the lotus, so I created the world. And that's when a very large linga showed up, a, a phallic symbol. And, and uh, Vishnu took the form of, of uh, Varaha, of the boar, and he dived down into the ocean. And uh, Brahma then took his form as, as the hansa, as the goose, and flew up, and neither of them could find the end, uh, you know, the top or the bottom. So then when they met, all of a sudden, ta-da, you know, Shiva showed up. And so in many ways, these, these references are all in the back of your mind. If you know this story, you've heard it as a child, you know, at least if you were, grew up in the right environment. <laughs> I mean, it took me, I was probably 13 when I first read about it. But... Um, Anyway, it's so that when you look at the iconographies, there's always all there's much more there than just than, than meets the eye. And Shiva dances. Um, he doesn't doesn't just dance in that one position that we know as Natraj or or we Natesha, which is usually pretty simple. Um, there's actually 108 dance poses um, known as Karana. And they're, it's, they're enumerated in the Natya Shastra. Um, and on the left, they have uh, a conglomerate of, I guess, somebody, some modern uh, bronze maker has, you know, made one of each trying to sell them all. And so this is something I found on the internet with so many of them. And what's interesting is that Chidambaram, the, the 108 uh, Karanas are actually sculpted. They're not sculpted with Shiva dancing. They're actually uh, female uh, forms on the whole. Um, and this is this one, they're in the eastern uh, Gopuram, the gateway to Chidambaram. There's, uh, they have the 108 poses that are, that are known. <coughs> and this Shiva does all of them, and presumably this is taken from a, a I mean, I've again found this on the internet, Thank God for the internet. Um, and uh, presumably there's, uh, there was some manual with, with him dancing all of these different, these different forms. The, I brought these two sh- sheets. I only found like four, uh, mostly for this ka- Kalara uh, Tandava, um, because um, I wonder whether that's who is in Alora. But Googling that word gets you nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. But I will pursue it. And the point is that there are many, many uh, bronzes of him and paintings um, and, you know, uh, some sculptures of him in these crazy po- poses. In fact, when we bought our house in uh, Tucson, Arizona, um, four or five years ago, um, the people that lived in the house were rather, um, I call them vacuum collectors. They just bought everything. And they actually had a Shiva bronze with his leg up in the air, one leg up in the air in their living room. It was grotesque, but it's, uh, I mean, these are much nicer than that. But it was, you know, it's such a crazy thing to find in, you know, in Arizona. <laughs> it would be crazy to find in San Francisco, let alone Arizona. Now, I'll just end with a, I think I'm ending a little series of these. When Shiva actually is not just dancing when he, when he uh, you know, is ready to kill a, a demon or after he kills a demon or out of sheer glee, he also dances for specific worshipers. Um, on the left, he's actually dancing, uh, he's dancing for Banasur. This is an episode in the, well, there, it's, there are various tales told, but this is taken from a, a rather extensive uh, Bhagavad Puran um, uh, manuscript that's in the San Diego Museum of Art that I've worked on a lot. And here we see Banasur playing instruments. Um, and he's playing the instruments, and uh, Shiva is dancing the Tandav. And in the, the, the text actually says he's dancing the Tandav Nirtya. So he's dancing that dance. Nithriya would be like, is, is the dance. And Banasar was a, 
a demon, an asura that that um, had been such a, a great devotee that Shiva had given him a thousand arms. Um, and at this point in his in his life, when Shiva comes to meet him, he wants Shiva to get rid of his arms because he's discovered he can't, he's such a great fighter, but he can just fight elephants. I mean, no, nobody's going to fight him. <clears throat> and Shiva says, no, you'll have to wait. Uh, but Vishnu will cut off your arms. And, and that's what's interesting is it's, uh, in the case on the right, uh, this is actually uh, Ravana. And Ravana also is, is one of the most important devotees of Shiva. And he, again, he just like, well, Banasar actually doesn't die. He just, he ends up with two arms, so he's a normal person. Uh, Ravana does die when, uh, when Rama, uh, Vishnu is Rama, then kills, kills him. And Ravana is known uh, in con- uh, combination with, Sh- with Shiva mostly uh, from this story when uh, Shiva and Parvati are on uh, Mount Kalas and, and <clears throat> you know, they're, it's all very beautiful and they're having a good time. And Ravana goes into a cave in the mountain and he tries to shake it to ruin the mountain. And Shiva puts his foot down and it, it then <clears throat> traps Ravana in this cave for a thousand years. But in that process, within, within the cave, it's, the one on the left is from uh, El, uh, the great uh, temple at Ellora. The one on the right is, is from a, another one of the caves uh, at the same site. And you see him, him trying to move the, the mountain. And very often in painting, you actually see him playing instruments. Um, and to my mind, that has to do uh, with with this, um, while he's in the cave, he he writes the Shiva uh, Tandava Stotra, which is a series of poems of devotion to to Shiva, and it's it's believed that Ravana, the Asura, the demon uh, Ravana, actually wrote these these poems, <clears throat> and this is a painting that was in a. a, a exhibition catalog that I did a number of years ago, uh, which was sort of like, what is going on here? And then it dawned on me that it's actually part of, of this, this series of poems. And so we see a Ravana in human form at the top uh, coming out with his little Asura friends that are all often look like, you know, really uh, scary monsters and horned creatures. And he's coming out with offerings <clears throat> to to offer to to uh, to Shiva, and so here we see him putting the garland around his neck, and he's brought the the conch and a little pot of whatever, uh, maybe Ganga Jal of Ganges water or some such thing, and then Shiva then blesses him, and then he um, Ravana then starts playing. A morsel, which is a, a Jew's harp, a mouth organ, he plays that, and Shiva then dances um, again, using the Damaru, the drum, to set up the rhythm, <clears throat> and then Parvati then dances uh, with him. the 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 poem that I've, I'm convinced this is um, uh, relates to uh, talks about the the god wearing the skin of the elephant. And, and the snake, a bejeweled snake, which it doesn't look bejeweled, um, but it's, it's very clear that, that this is all part of this whole ambiance of, of, um, of Shiva not only dancing for his own pleasure, but his pleasure for, you know, devotees. And this is why, presumably, we can think that Natraj is dancing for us all the time. So now it's time to uh, ask Bob any questions you might have. Bob, are you going to go far afield from art, or do you want to stick to just art? Well, it depends on how far afield. <laughs> okay, great. I can always say no. Yes. <laughs> now I'm going to see if I can trip. Hello, I'm uh, Bob's older brother. <laughs> and everyone and his twin brother is sitting right here. Uh, when we were kids, our parents used to love to buy encyclopedias, etc. And Time Life had a series on comparative religions. And 
the series, the Time Life one that Bob got into was the one about Hinduism. And when he was a kid, maybe 12 or 13, he was actually drawing the dancing Shiva, and it was on the wall in his room. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> yes, well, Agni was over on, Agni was on uh, his ram over the other doorway. So. <laughs> just, to get to, just to get to dinner, everyone had to walk under these two gods. <laughs> So you didn't have pictures of Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell. Instead, you, on your wall, you had. Well, Eva? it was was Joan singing that. that <laughs> I think it was Mimi Farina, but that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other question. So my name is Uday, and uh, my curiosity is more about your curiosity for Shiva. I just heard that as thirteen year old, you had Shiva on your wall. So have uh, my question is, have you? You've analyzed a lot about Shiva, but have you analyzed your own curiosity for Shiva? <laughs> well, my name on my email address is Bhairav. So I think I do think about Shiva quite a lot. <laughs> but have you thought why? Uh, I, I, no, I'm not a violent creature. <laughs> Bhairav, by the way, is quite, can be quite violent. But he can also be quite beautiful. Yes. Um, um, yeah. May I just take a liberty to reason why I'm asking this is it's funny what a coincidence that today one of my friends who owns a Shelby she sent me a poem through self analysis of why she and I'm just going to read it and there might be some parallels here. She says, "Do I own it or does it own me? Neither it is extension of me balancing the me i can't be with the me that i don't want to be brash loud unapologetic unrestrained and beastly that is me it allows me to be freeing me from the me i don't want to be embodying traits within me anger violence representing them making them beautiful returning joy and release it can be these things so i don't have to be with it i partner with fury so i just found something interesting that we all our curiosities are maybe sometimes guided by something deep inside us and i was just wondering if you analyzed it well, it could you. be but i mean the, the fact that i've that uh, fully a third of my work has been done on jain iconography and and art it seems far afield <laughs> especially from bhairav and <laughs> have you been to uh, the Chidambaram temple and the, some of these other places that you... Um, I've been to various temples, not Chidambaram, but I've, I've... I've been to the Badami Caves. Oh, yes, lots. All right, yeah, the, one of my favorite places. Oh, it's, it's... It's dazzling. Yeah, in the early 70s, it was even more dazzling because there was nobody there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, it, it's nicely developed. So if anybody, yeah. you know, people haven't been, yeah. I would recommend they go. Yeah. Of all the places in India, I would put that, the Badami um, caves. Uh, there's something. You just yeah. feel something. Yeah, well, see, I had done my work in Karnataka. I actually wrote my dissertation on Hoysala architecture oh. and sculpture. So I'm from so Karnataka, spent, so which yeah. I'm familiar yeah. Of course, Hampi is glorious too. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so in Chidambaram, when, you know, the... The images that you had of Shiva with his leg raised very high in this very awkward position, that that image comes from there. The legend is from there. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yeah. That's when he had the competition with uh, Parvati when they came south and they had that uh, a dance-off, right? So, <laughs> so Parvati was a great dancer herself. Um, she was dancing. The, the sages were all praising her. Shiva gets jealous. He says, I can outdance you. But she was able to match him pose for pose. No matter what he did, she was able to match him. Then he kind of plays dirty. So he lifts his leg in this very indecent you know, pose, yes. which she was too modest to do something yeah. like that. So then she says, I won't do it. And then he wins the competition. So it, he really played the dirty. But it was all on that granite plinth there, uh-huh. which yeah. is, still exists. Uh, and legend have, has it that the dance actually occurred there. It occurred right there. Yeah. So that, that well, particular... Yeah, Shiva obviously was never modest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Are you saying it was the Fetisterian Ginger Rogers of uh, 3,000 years ago? (laughs) So you touched upon the theme 
of recreation. So I'm still not clear what, uh, which recreation has priority. Is it Brahma's creation or Shiva's destruction and recreation cycle? How do they fall into place? They don't. Uh, (laughs) It all depends on who you're talking to and who's who's the devotee of whom. Because I just, uh, there's an article of mine coming out on cyclic, index cyclic, whatever. I forget how it is. It's a funny one of these more rhyming titles. <clears throat> it was for a uh, a conference that was online uh, out of the University of Bonn in Germany um, on the origins of mankind. And um, I was able to find early versions, even Vedic versions of, of different, um, Prajapati doing the creation and, and before these, you know, these gods got separated out. And what's most interesting is that in, in some of the stories, like the, specifically the story of the Lingo Bhavamurti of, of the, the, the big uh, phallus showing up and, and Vishnu takes credit for being in the center. I mean, so, um, I mean, they're just, they're vying for, you know, priority over the, uh, and it just depends on I mean, if you want to follow one or the other. Um, I mean, as a Jain, uh, it doesn't exist. So, I mean, there is no creator. So it just, you know, things exist. They get better and they get worse and then they get better and they get worse. There's no pralaya. There's no fiery destruction that you find in both Hinduism and um, and Buddhism. There's a, a time when fewer people are alive and they're sort of deformed, but they never cease to exist, you know, uh, whereas in both Hinduism and, and uh, Buddhism, they do, you know, they're no longer there. So, so we are looking at the Shiva Nataraj image very closely these days after, you know, with the exhibition at the Asian Art Museum. And um, you touched upon, you know, what Rodan mentioned and how this image is so dynamic. So looking at that very dynamic aspect of Shiva with, with you know, the flame of destruction and the drum of creation and the whole simultaneity of that whole process that the Natrajimish shows, that simultaneously there's creation, simultaneously there's destruction. So looking at, uh, you know, apart from all these cycles that Brahma created, and we are talking about, you know, God knows eons and eons of time. So do you interpret that image that at every moment is filled with creation and every moment is filled with destruction and they go through all these long cycles, but every minute or every every moment there is a new cycle being created, both of creation and destruction. Is that is that something? I'll buy that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I mean what is time? Yeah. You know, I mean we talk about huge numbers. And these aren't a thousand years. These are a thousand years of Brahma. And so how many millions of years is that? And why can't it just happen? You know, yes, I mean, now I'm, that we are face to face with this image and talking about it every day, you know, like it's saying, OK, I mean, the simultaneity of this creation destruction, that means all the time that image is projecting. Yes, simultaneous creation, destruction every, you know, every moment, you know, I mean, it's that dynamic. It's that dynamic. Is that is that what is coming out of the Nataraj? I I believe so. I haven't really thought about it that way, but I know that he represents. I mean, he's he depicts both those things. And so why can't it happen? happen. I mean, mean, it's happening in front of your eyes. Hi, um, I. The images were so lovely. Thank you. I wanted to ask a couple of questions about two of the images. One is the skeletal dancing Shiva. And in the background, there are these floral motifs. Did you see them? Uh, they were very distinct. Uh, did, do you know what they represent? No, no, I don't. Okay. And the other one was of the 108 Karanas uh, from a bronze guild. Did you say that somebody had made all the 108 well, I presumably, I mean, they're all there. I don't know whether it's somebody 
Oh, it, photograph them or okay. No, it shows up. That one image shows up quite often on the internet. I see. And I couldn't find the actual source. I Not that I was going to order 108 images. <laughs> I was just wondering if it's a particular guild. There's something written in the middle of it. So yeah. I, yeah, okay. Thank you. I, Could you explain why they use 108 as a number? It's just, it's the ultimate. And it's actually, it's a number that means infinity. It, mm-hmm. It's used in all of the religions in India. Right. I grew up as a Jain. Okay. So my question is, how did Shiva came to be represented with the shivling. Well, that's an Indo-European thing. Um, I mean, the, the phallus is, is always, it's, it's essential to Indo-European religious thought. It's a, it's a creative member. Um, I mean, often we say that it's, it's creative energy gives rise to creative thought. I mean, you can... It does a million different things, but it's an aniconic form, which which has a certain panache to it. Um, I mean, granted, we've gotten away from the full aniconic quality of Buddhist art, but um, it just is. I, I so so. There's not any time in history when this happened, or you know. no. I mean, we find it from day one. Um, I mean, you find it in, in this valley civilization, which, of course, isn't Indo-European, but that's a separate issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you have it in Europe, you know, the co- column versus the cave. You have your male and your female concepts in religion from day one. Okay. My second question, this Tandav Nitir that, as we know, was it a particular choreographed dance or any dance by Shiva could be called Tandam I believe that any dance can since the in the in the, the uh, Bhagavad Puran uh, it's it's described that way and I've never seen it it uh, it's never just the Ananda Tandava it's it's I think that it's Nirlia just means dance and so it's sort of I like saying dance dance um I don't know. I'm not a, a linguist, so I don't know what to do with it. Hmm. Any other questions? Great. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Okay. That was really a wonderful thank you. talk. Kalpana, would you like to say something? So our sponsors for this uh, event are Bipin and Rekha Shah. Thank you very much. And so ends another event at the Commonwealth Club, and it's over 120 years of enlightened discussion. Thanks a lot for coming and joining us. Nice to see a big audience. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.